0: Welcome to church. This is going to be good. Uh, we are, this is kind of sad a little bit actually. We are, uh, we're wrapping up this tension series today. This is our last one. I've really, really enjoyed this series. It's, uh, it's been really eye-opening for me. It's been really help, uh, helpful theological framework, which, which with to like look at things that don't feel like they need to be opposites, but sometimes do feel like opposites. And I find that there's just a lot of those as we follow Jesus. There's things that seem to be in tension with each other. And we've been exploring all the different ways that, uh, different kinds of tensions and, and kind of what the underlying theology is behind each one of these things. And how do we make decisions? How do you, how do you choose what to do in the face of these tensions between two good things, okay? So uh, my job today is to try to summarize The last like nine weeks (laughs) of what we talked about, uh, and I don't mean summarize every single point, I mean summarize the core theology, the core decision-making framework, the core truths about our faith that I feel like can be a beautiful scalpel for the way that we sort of cut and divide the decisions that we make uh, in these tension-filled areas. And so uh, I'm really excited about this because I think that there is, uh, since we've been doing so much study practically inside each one of these tensions it's a really really good background and now we can kind of take some of the things that we've learned and go okay given all those truths given all those facts given all those great things um how do i now when i discover my own tensions when i discover my own things that we you know didn't wasn't covered in the nine weeks or whatever it was uh how am i equipped to wrestle with tensions myself and I think it has a ton to do with the gospel and Jesus and all those things. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to read lots of scripture today. Before we do, to try and summarize the theology behind all this thing, I made a super scary looking graphic. It's, it's, I'm just warning you, it's really scary looking. It has a lot of words on it, okay? It's got a little diagram in it. But I'm going to explain it. So he's going to put it up, and then no one's going to freak out. Do not freak out. I know, I know, I know. It's so scary. But I'm going to walk you through this. And uh, I'm sorry that the projector is a little smaller than it usually is today. We have a little malfunction, so that's why we got this bad boy over here. But it's still going to work, okay? So this, I'm going to walk us through each aspect of this, and it's way less complicated than it looks, but stay with me, okay? And then we're going to get into a specific example from uh, the life of Paul that, uh, that typifies what I will say. Okay, so tension summary. What we have is, is we have these two things. We have these two desires in life. We have a desire for security and a desire for significance. Another way of saying those two things is we have a desire to receive love, and we have a desire to give love, okay? Now that's all well and good. Oftentimes we find that those two things are really in tension with each other. They are often opposites in our actions. They often feel like things that uh, when you actually try to go do something, you kind of have to pick one or the other, and it gets frustrating, okay? so. Let me let me give you some uh, let me give you some examples, and these are, I just picked three of the last nine topics that we did over the over the tension series, okay? But there the three that stuck out stuck out to me. So kingdom expressions of on the left side uh, a desire for security and a desire to receive love. Kingdom expressions of that could be community. We talked about that being where we are nat- our natural and spiritual family, where we're built into, where we're fed, where we feel at home. Uh, on the flip side uh, of that, you have this thing called mission. Under kingdom expressions on the significant side. And community and mission can often be in tension with each other, right? Moving on, another kingdom expression would be compassion. We have a uh, compassion. Um, uh, uh, you, want to, you want to help people receive love. You want to extend mercy. You want to be the one that's, you want to be the one that's receiving um, uh, love and affirmation. And, and when, you, when you do things wrong, there's mercy extended your way, right? And then there's this other side. When we, sometimes when we have to give love, It looks like confrontation. Well, I need to love you so much that I have to call you on something. And maybe this is not a super mercy-filled moment right now. Maybe this is more of a justice-filled moment. Because if we truly do love people, we can't just be merciful till kingdom come. Sometimes there's this aspect where it's like, I need to actually hold you accountable to a thing. Or I need to to actually love you so much, give love so much to you, that I would risk, I would even risk the relationship. I would even risk being misunderstood, right? So those are in tension with each other. A third one would be authenticity. That's a way we like to receive love. My own, who God's made me to be. My own beautiful, unique snowflake that is just crafted by God, and he loves me in the ways that just that he has an individual calling for my life. He, he, he loves me personally. I'm, I'm like one in a million. He knows my name. He knows the numbers of hairs on my head, which isn't super impressive for me, but uh, there's, uh, there's like, it's funny. There's a... Uh, there's this, there's this idea that we receive love because of, there's this, like, God has made us to be an authentic individual. Super cool. And then we have to give love sometimes in that, in that space, and it looks like unity, which directly, often directly gets in the way of my snowflakeness when I have to be around all of you folks and love you guys. And then all of a sudden, maybe I become a little less important. You know, for, for, the, for the sake of the group, sometimes our own personal needs, our own personal identities and callings, take a back seat for a minute. So if you look at all, the, all these blue words, I guess it's kind of gray, but blue words, um, these are the kingdom expressions. And I can already go through and say how all of those things on both sides of those lists are really good. We love all those things. We love compassion, and we love confrontation, and we love authenticity, we love unity, we all love all this stuff. And inside the kingdom of God, All those things somehow have to exist at the same time, despite their tensions. Okay. So here's what I feel like happens. Here's what I feel like happens. so we're going to get into this little green area, is if we are trying to pursue those things from a place of earthly wisdom, that's what I'm calling it today, earthly wisdom, the scriptural in a minute is going to use those words a lot, but uh, if we're trying to be, let's let's, let's pick one, if we're trying to be uh, compassionate from a place of earthly wisdom, Uh, Here's the thing, is the basis of earthly wisdom is self. These are the things that I know how to do under my own power. The wisdom that I possess is in my brain with my intellect, my skill set, my gifts, my whatever. Okay? So the playing field of earthly wisdom is self. Now what happens is when we rely entirely on ourselves to pursue really great kingdom expressions, they kind of turn into this little red area, and because the self is our, is our operating plane, those beautiful things kind of get a little twisted. They kind of, because self was the driving force, they take a little bit of a turn, okay? So all of a sudden, what we used to be community uh, turns into apathy. Because if we're pursuing community, community by our own strength, I need to build this, I need to build that, I need to have friends, I need to have my cliques, I need to make sure I'm, I need to make sure that I'm surrounded by people that are like me and, and that love me. And all of a sudden, mission kind of starts to go out the window, because you can't do both at the same time, because you're a human, right That's really hard. And so it turns into apathy because you were trying to pursue community with your own strength. I did this a lot as a teenager, especially. What about compassion? Uh, you can be compassionate, compassionate, compassionate by your own strength, extending mercy, extending mercy. And then that can very easily, when it's only our own strength, turn into people-pleasing or turn into enabling even, when you just compassionate all day long. What about, uh, what about authenticity? You can be so, so focused on yourself and how unique and special, true, that God has made you and your own individual callings, when, that, when by your own strength you run after that, becomes self-centeredness really quick. We'll go through the other side a little quicker. Mission can easily become recruitment when it's all by your own strength because you can't really balance the community thing because it's all you. Confrontation becomes manipulating people towards making them better, making them do what you needed them to do or whatever. And uh, unity kind of becomes a cult because if it's the whole point is we all need to be the same and I am by my own strength with my own wisdom trying to make you the same as me and the same as like we're all trying to have the same beliefs and t-shirts. I don't know what it is. And, uh... And it very quickly becomes a, a very unhealthy thing where uh, we actually lose all of our individuality. Okay, so you, just, you see this issue that we're painting? It gets really tricky, right? And so uh, what I find is that, stick to the left side here for a second, our desire originally is security to receive love. And then when we only do it in our selfish ways, in the ways that we know how to do with our own earthly wisdom, it actually ironically ends up looking like taking and using, which unfortunately gives us this terrible feeling of insecurity because you can never take or use enough, right? You can never take or use enough to be loved. You can't take all and use all the love that you can find. And I mean, people do this all the time, and take, 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 take. And of course, that leads to insecurity. It's kind of ironic. On the right side, if we are so longing to be important by our own strength, it ends up looking like earning and often abusing people. And that sucks because the result, again, ironically, is insignificance. because you can never control or manipulate or strive or earn enough by your own strength to actually be important. <laughs> so am I painting the, uh, the awkwardness sufficiently clearly? Okay, I so- told you it wasn't that scary. Now, we have this thing in between called this tension bridge. Okay? And the tension bridge is the thing that allows us to operate at the kingdom level, in the blue area up top. There's this bridge of tensions. And what we have said over the last nine weeks is that inside this this bridge is uh, what allows us to live there in that space, not on our own earthly wisdom, which of course can either be on one side or the other, right, because we're just human, so we can only pick one of the green lines. But if we were gonna live in the middle, if we're gonna live in the kingdom, it looks like this kind of shaky ground a little bit. It doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel the best. It's like earthly wisdom has a sense of security about it, doesn't it? We like earthly wisdom because it makes sense to us. But then this is where, and this is what I'll argue for today, is that it, it lets us have a love motive. Because love is this fantastic word that somehow tries to encapsulate all the blue words. Do you know what I'm saying? We've talked about this before. Where love is just too beautiful of a thing, To be carried out simply by human effort. Simply through human wisdom. It's too amazing. It's too beautiful. Jesus did it, but uh, he wasn't human. Or he kind of was, you know what I mean? Dialectic theology. He was God and man, but you know what I mean? He was God. He was able to do this, okay? So the big question becomes, you can put the next slide up, is how do we have a motive of love? How do we have this? What are the things, like, how do we pursue this goal? How do we live in this tension? And the, uh, the core verse that we, that's been the banner verse, even though we haven't touched on it specifically yet in the last nine weeks, has been 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 13. But we're going to read a bunch of chapters 1, 2, and 3 together. Because what's going on here in this story is that uh, uh, Paul is, is going through tensions with the church in Corinth. There's this tension that he's actually helping them wrestle through, and he has some advice for them. And so we're going to go through that advice, and we're going to learn what Paul's advice to the church in Corinth was for attention. Does that make sense? Okay. That's the setup. I know it was a lot. I know that was really heady, but uh, it's going to be simpler. Now, so we're going to actually read a bunch of scripture, so if you have your Bibles or your phones, helpful. And you can turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And go to verse ten. There's a pew Bibles, those NIV pew Bibles in there that you can use. I'll give you a sec. So we're gonna start in chapter first Corinthians one. We're gonna start at verse ten, and we're gonna kinda of get we're gonna set up the tension that Paul's going through that he's writing to the church in Corinth about, okay? Verse 10 says this. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly unified in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you, or tensions among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, uh, I follow Cephas. Still another, I I only follow Christ. (laughs) Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? were you Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so you can see that there's this tension arising where apparently the church in Corinth is seeing some differences between the people that are speaking into their life. Okay, so you got this guy named Apollos, you got this guy named, I don't know how to pronounce that, I think it's Cephas, Cephas, I don't know, um, and uh, there's probably some differences in teaching. I bet you, I bet you that uh, Paul's probably the, give, the giving love guy, he's probably the guy who going been be like, go do mission. I bet you Apollos, I'm just guessing, I have no idea, I bet you Apollos was like a pastor, who was like, you just need to take care of each other, you know, or whatever, and both are right, because both of those are super beautiful kingdom things, and I bet you some factions started to divide in this church. I was like, well, I want to follow so-and-so, and I want to follow so-and-so. Now, these are godly men giving godly kingdom advice, uh, and all of a sudden, tensions arise. Of course, it's, uh, it makes sense. So how does, this, how does Paul uh, handle this tension of division over what he calls earthly matters? We're going to keep reading. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians, uh, we're going to go to verse 18 now. Keep reading. I love his response to this. Listen to this, guys. this is super interesting because right off the top, you can put the next slide up, uh, God is already, uh, yeah, Paul is already saying here that we are a bad source of wisdom. What is earthly wisdom? What is your, what is your worldly wisdom? What even is that? And he's already de-pedestalizing what, uh, what we're putting our faith in. Uh, and uh, what I love is, uh, is he's saying you can't, you can't pick sides there's, there's earthly wisdom is on those two sides. And what is earthly wisdom? What even is that? Keep reading. First, uh, this is verse 21 now. For since, in the wis- for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs and Greeks looked for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to them who God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. All right, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose, listen to this, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and, despi- and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one will boast before him. He goes on a rant here, hey? He says it over and over and over again in all these different ways, going, uh, uh, God is using, not only, not only is your wisdom not adequate to understand these tensions, uh, God is going to use people who are, who are unwise. God is going to use people who are, aren't relying on their own intellect. God is going to use people that are the least of these to advance my kingdom. And he's, he's painting this picture of, of um, there just being a new playing field going on. That's what I'm trying to get at. So uh, let's keep reading. There's a, there's a few more verses I'd like to read from, from this. This goes on to chapter 2. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come. Now now he's saying even himself wasn't wise, okay? I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in, in weakness, with great fear and trembling my message in preaching again we're not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on god's power he's still repeating himself you can't have your wisdom rest on human wisdom it must be on god's power and i even am saying that i'm paul and i'm intentionally um i'm in, i'm intentionally saying do not don't listen to the the words that I'm saying. Listen to the spirit about which I'm saying it. Listen to the, who am I actually pointing to. He's desperately trying to get people not to rely on him or his effort as an example of not relying in their own wisdom. So, uh, what I feel like this speaks to me, after just reading this little chunk, is this first thing. It's up there already. Is I think we have to repent of our own rulership of our lives. And this is uncomfortable for me. I, I struggle with that entire chapter. He just goes on and on and on about, uh, I, won't e- I can't even use you if you think you're in charge. God can't even use you if you've put your intellect on some kind of pedestal. And I'm going to use the people who uh, are, are like weak to make my name great. And when I uh, try to do things for God, when I try to do things for God, after reading this like a bunch of times this week, I'm like, how many times, uh, how often am I trying to do really great, you know, blue kingdom things out of my own wisdom and out of my own intellect? Um, and maybe my heart is good in those actions, but I've been realizing and been personally convicted that am I even opening the door to, to let God go, um, thank you for, for trying but your heart is actually unrepentant. Your heart is not in a place that is completely reliant on me. Your wisdom is still your own. And that's a little tricky. And And I don't, I don't mean to mince words. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we can do a bunch of good Christian things. We can be doing a bunch of great, you know, those blue words. Those, those, those things that are all, really all great. But do we stop for a second and go, hold on a second. Am I... Am I going to rely on my own gifts and abilities in this moment? Am I, or, or am I about to go try to do a kingdom thing on my own effort? And if it's the second thing, I would really caution us to stop for a second. Because, uh, there, <laughs> I don't know if there's nothing more damaging, but a very damaging thing is Christians going around trying to do kingdom things by their own effort it gives God a very bad name because we can't actually do those things very well. We're not good at balancing tensions. And if we're trying to carry out kingdom expressions by our own effort, Paul is saying, you be careful because if you turn into the church of Apollos and the church of Paul, that's really bad for Christ and his mission on this, on this planet. And it's like, oh, do I ever stop and go, who's, in, who's the power source of my efforts right now? Anyways, convicted me so that's a, that's a good place to stop guys, and I know it's a little insulting I think he's probably he's probably trying to be insulting uh you know we're just a bad source of what true wisdom is uh matthew four seventeen is um yeah repent for the kingdom of God is near It's like the first thing is repent of you being the ruler of your life, and then you can maybe do some kingdom stuff, <laughs> but you got to repent first super frustrating. repent of our own rulership so uh what this has led me to believe is, is it's just not about our knowledge, okay? And uh, I want to say one more thing about this, and then we'll move on to the better news where we're all just not ignorant. But uh, uh, I've, been, uh, I've had the pleasure of the, la- the last um, uh, four, four weeks to, to be able to go to a bunch of different youth pastors' conferences across the country. And uh, it's been really cool because people want to hear uh, the story of what God's doing with youth pastor unity and stuff in Vancouver, which is great, so I get to go tell a story. You know what the story I'm telling is? Everyone, everyone was expecting me to go tell a story of, like, how to have a model or something. Like, Jonathan, share with us your wisdom on how to unite youth pastors. I just think it's the funniest uh, request. Here's what, here's what I've been uh, telling people. Is uh, what I, this isn't 100% true, but this is what I want the story to be, okay? I want the story to be uh, youth pastors in Vancouver humbled themselves and repented from our own earthly wisdom. That's the story. And what I pray is that as that happens, as we dethrone ourselves, I'm lumping myself in the same boat, as we dethrone ourselves of the people who are going to advance God's kingdom, then God can move. Because the Holy Spirit goes, thank you, I'm in charge again, and now I'm going to do great things. And so we do a whole bunch of cool things together, but I'll tell you what, all all the efforts that I'm going around telling people about, they are all excuses to get to the heart of people going are you expecting God to do things are you expecting these kingdom values to be advanced in our city through your own effort or through what God wants to do because if it's what God wants to do we can't be in charge it can't be reliant on us and it's super tempting to go around convincing everybody maybe you've done this too. And especially as a church leader, it's really tempting to go around and convince all of you to go and do the kingdom things because we convinced you, you could do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You can do it. Rise up. You have the ability <laughs> and all that stuff. When really, and I'm afraid when that message gets preached from pulpits is the you can do it message. I think that the, the role of the pulpit is to say, are you repentant? Is Jesus Christ king of your life? Because if that's true, then look out, world. Because God's going to be able to use you. So sorry to harp on that. But I don't really want to go any further unless we understand that this whole balancing tensions thing, guys, super tricky if we're relying on our own wisdom. So let's transition. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to be ignorant and not know anything. (laughs) Okay? So not relying on our own wisdom doesn't mean not know anything. It doesn't mean not don't be learned. It doesn't mean don't have good conversations and understand things and read books and um, gain knowledge and do the courses and all that wonderful stuff. Uh, so what does it mean to not be ignorant? Like, we're, we, we're not called to be ignorant. We're just called not to have earthly wisdom. So what does this mean? And this is where the good news. You can put the next slide up. Is I believe that the Spirit is the one that teaches us true wisdom. The Spirit teaches us true wisdom. Now let's get to the heart of what this means. And we can just really conveniently just keep reading in Corinthians, because this is the next thing Paul says, okay? Um, check this out. This is, now, this is now chapter 2, verse 6. Paul keeps going. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's kind of a good point. If they'd known what Jesus was talking about from the beginning, they probably wouldn't have crucified him. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Love that verse. Uh, These are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit. These are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit teaches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. We have not received this. I know. I know it's a lot of words, and I know it's Paul writing, and it's tricky to understand, but like he's... He's he's preaching my message for me. That's why I'm reading it. I'm going to read that sentence again. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. One more verse, and then I'll stop for a sec. This is what we speak. And this was the banner verse, guys, for the whole Tension series was this. This is what we speak. Not in words taught uh, us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Wow, that's a lot of spirits. I'm going to read that one more time. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught truths. So what it's saying here is love in its truest form is a spiritual reality. Love in the kingdom sense, in the broad sense, in the tension-filled sense, is a kingdom reality, a spiritual reality, one that can only be taught to us by the Spirit. The next verse says this, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Pretty conclusive, what he's saying. The Spirit is the only one who can teach us how to love. He's the only one. And people that don't have the Spirit inside them can't even understand the full definition of what love is. This is why the Spirit is such good news. It actually teaches us how to love in the fullest sense. Um, An example was given a few weeks back of like a, a kind of love that I think exemplifies this really well. And it's this idea. Imagine yourself that you have been giving a lot of money to someone who doesn't, like, really deserve it. But you're trying to help them be responsible, so you're kind of keeping track of the money that you gave them, you know? Maybe, like, a little, a little like, interest-free loan or something. You know, you're trying to help them out. And you give them a, a bunch more money and a bunch more money and a bunch more money, and, all, and then all of a sudden it starts racking up on your little Excel spreadsheet that you have going for this person. And uh, you kind of come to a point at the end where it's like, you know what, this is probably not healthy if I keep racking up this debt for you like i I'm, I'm now probably enabling you right Ugh. so you have to have maybe a, a confrontative talk right and you go i can't keep lending you money this, this wouldn't be good for you uh, so that person comes back perhaps a week later and says oh i am i am really in a pinch this time really in a pinch this time and the answer to that question what if what, what if a, what if our response is just a, a response but this is the example that was given a few, given a few weeks ago Was what if instead you go, well, I can't really put you in more debt. So what I'll do is I'll just give you the money. And I won't even, I won't put it on this spreadsheet. Does that work? Like, I love that example. Because it's just, it's both things. Like, and that's a spirit taught response. If you're walking in the spirit. I've been in moments like this. You're walking with the spirit and you're going, I should do that. And I should do that. And then the spirit speaks in a moment and goes, "Oh, you should just give them money and not write it down." And then in that like love motive place, like God works, and it's and it's not even it's hardly even comprehensible and understandable. But that's the best example I could think of of when Paul says Uh, People don't understand what love means. And in the story that this is referring to, the person doesn't get it. They just go, Oh, thanks. That's weird. (laughs) You're like, Oh, man. (laughs) You just got the best example of grace that you'll ever get was this moment. Uh, And I think God's plan for advancing his church is for people that are going, I have to, if I'm actually going to love people, I have to be spirit led. I have to walk with him. I must be in tune with him. Otherwise, I'll just be overly confrontative or I'll be overly compassionate. And, but what is, it, what is the spirit saying in a moment? And sometimes it'll look like one of those two things. In fact, it often will. But there's a difference between camping on a side going, oh, I'm the compassionate person, And camping on the side being, I'm just going to be the hard person. And there's something about walking with the spirit where God goes, follow me because I love that person way more than you do and I know exactly what to do for them. But are you walking with me enough? Are you relying on me enough in that moment to actually do the most loving thing? Which could be a hard conversation. Could be giving more money. Could be something that we never even thought of. But the beauty of that moment is were you walking with him? I love this. So, Let's uh, just go to the end of the chapter here. Um, yeah, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not uh, is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. I want to read uh, uh, John fifteen five. Yeah, we have the mind of Christ. I just think this is crazy that Jesus says, uh, that Paul says, we actually have the mind of Christ, which is saying the Holy Spirit is in us. That's, uh, you know, all that you need to know to be loving if the Spirit's with you. If you have the mind of Christ, you know everything you need to know to be loving. It's such good news. Uh, John 15, uh, uh, 15 says this No longer do I call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit uh, that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. God says, if you're going to love each other, if my commandment is to love you, I have made known to you everything you need to know by my spirit to be loving people. That's such good news to me because I get so confused about what I should do in a moment. I get so confused about how do I love this person, how do I love that person, and it's a helpful truth to know that God's actually by His Spirit given us everything we would need to know. I think the question is, is do we acknowledge that? So the Spirit is our guide for how to love. And I don't know know about you guys, but uh, uh, just going into our last point, I uh, it's nice that He's a guide. But if I'm just being honest with you, I just, sometimes I feel like I can't hear him. Uh, It's nice, like, oh, great, thanks for reading that verse that we know all that we need to know. And then in a moment, I just don't feel like he's close or that he's there. Uh, I've never heard God. I don't know what it looks like to walk with the Holy Spirit. I don't, what does that even mean? How do you listen? And all that stuff. (laughs) Um, Conveniently. We can just keep reading, because <laughs> Paul keeps going. <clears throat> it says this. This is chapter 3 now. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. So I think that's us sometimes, eh? We're like, okay, so here's all the theory. Here's all the theory about how the Spirit is the one who teaches us. Here's all the theory about how... You can't love and you can't know what God's will is unless the Spirit's teaching you. Okay, God's great. And then he he goes, he says, uh, but I can't actually address you as people that live by the Spirit because you're still kind of infants and you don't get it. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, uh, that sucks, but I feel like that's me all the time. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Such a dig, hey? It's like, if you have quarrels, if this is even a problem for you, it must mean that you are not walking with the Spirit. It must mean that your metrics for measuring what is good is not mine. You're an infant, because you're quarreling about two correct things. It's insulting. Are you not mere human beings? So uh, uh, what I want to do is just read John 14, 7 here. And it says this, The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. Uh, Sorry, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives within you and will be in you. And uh, if we skip ahead to verse 16 here uh, inside, it says, Do you know? that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. So you're an infant, you're a baby, you're not doing this well, but do you know that God actually makes his home in you? Do you know that that's where he longs to reside? Do you know that in the John verse, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I, I, I just was reading those this week and I'm like, I feel like I'm trying to find him all the time. (laughs) And I read verses like that. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Do you not know that he lives in you and will be with you? And uh, maybe it's a little simple. Maybe it's a little juvenile. I don't know. I wish I had a more interesting point or something. But um, when you follow Jesus and invite him and you repent and you invite him to be Lord of your life, his spirit lives in you it does it's it's uh gospel uh do we live out of that place do we live out of that place and this is the most beautiful he uh he ends he ends uh well you know i'm just going to read it to the end because i love the way uh, i love the way that paul ends kind of his his big speech here i'll just read to the end Uh, verse 17 says if anyone destroys god's temple god will destroy that person for god's temple is sacred And you are together you together are that temple do not deceive yourselves if any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age you should become fools so that you may become wise for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in god's sight as it is written he catches the wise in their craftiness and again the lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile so then no more boasting about human leaders and i love this all things are yours whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, or the, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Isn't that just a beautiful summation of it? It's just like, hey, you know what? See all those things you're, you're arguing between? See all those, those two correct things that are dividing you? Uh, the Spirit is in you, and all are yours. All are yours. But do you trust me to lead you? Because if you do, all are yours, and when I look at that list of all those things on the two, the two kingdom sides, I want all that stuff. Man, I want us to be a community that values relationship and goes and invites people into it I want to be people I want to be a church that that sees uh, individuals know what their calling is, and I want to be do something together so that that calling's even better. Uh, I want to be a place that anybody could be welcomed, and they would be mercy would be readily available and there'd be no judgment and I want us to love people so much that we would call them out of it into something greater by it's just I want all of it I want it all and if I'm going to do it myself I end up making them twisted and I just perhaps perhaps God's intentionally making the point of this sermon just really really simple because if we're trying to sum everything up I certainly hope it is Is that God's given you everything you need to do to be a loving person? He's given you a spirit. He's given you a spirit in your heart, and will you surrender to it and listen to it? Is the question? Uh, Romans eight thirty two. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to it. In fact, you can tune there too, if you would like to. Romans eight thirty two. Oh, I love this. Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He have it all. He gave us Jesus. He gave us his son. Read it one more time. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And if Jesus really was the way, and it really is, he really is king, and he really does live in us, he wants to give us all those things. He wants to give us all those kingdom things. Uh, I want to read one more little passage of scripture for you, just because I feel like it sums it up, and then we'll be done. The communion people can get ready. I don't know if you're ready already, but we're going to take a communion together today. You can turn with me to Ephesians 3. This is what we'll end with. Ephesians 3, verse 14. Uh, this, is my, this is my prayer because I feel like it just sums it up. This is my prayer for our church, I think. Sometimes I, sometimes I end up at Philippians 3 in my devotions when I pray for us as a church. <clears throat> it just worked so perfectly. Uh, I don't know, maybe you, maybe you don't want to follow along and just listen and close your eyes, whatever helps you more. But this is my, this is my prayer for us. <clears throat> for this reason, I kneel. And how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, could it be possible? I, I think God wants to have our lives be about love because it begins to give us an idea of how immense his love is for us. Could you imagine if that's the point of God going, hey, I want your life to be about love. I want, you, I want your life to be about following me and walking with my Holy Spirit and being having a love motive. Because that's the best way I can get you to actually even catch a glimpse of how much I love you. Soon this verse. Um, yeah. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge. And you know what the real shame of human earthly wisdom is? is I don't think we can grasp how much God loves us. That to me is the biggest shame of relying on ourselves because we don't even have the power to understand how much love there is available to us. And we get so hung up on how am I going to be loving and what's the best way to execute this and execute that. And God's like, man, I want you to repent of your own earthly wisdom so that, yeah, I can use you better, but also... I want you to understand how much I love you. You even need my help to do that because it's too huge and crazy and beautiful. And so if for nothing else tonight, if you need to repent of having an earthly plane with which you operate on, uh, for no other reason, be like, God, can you help me repent of that to remind me how much you love me? Perhaps that's what he's trying to do tonight in your heart. I don't know. So um, we're going to take communion together. Guys, you can start handing that out. You can hand out the elements. We're going to take it together. I'll also invite the worship team up. And you guys can twinkle away whenever you're ready. But I think this is a perfect moment for us to take communion together. And as you know, this uh, what we're about to do tonight is for people who um, for people who follow Jesus, this is an act as we remember uh, how Jesus made a way for us to actually repent and to actually have a way out of our sin and to enthrone him as king of our lives. And uh, the cross paid all these things for us, and it was love on display. It was love in the most tension-filled, gap-filling kingdom oriented way and uh, I just think that uh, taking me together is really appropriate so here there's there's two things that perhaps God would want you to as you remember what Christ did for you that perhaps he'd want you to repent of and so you can be thinking about these things maybe it's both maybe it's one I don't know but one thing could be uh, God I repent of not acknowledging your spirit who is king of my heart in the actions of my life and even in sometimes the noble purposes that I try to pursue, I repent of trying to execute those things by my own power and through my own wisdom. Because I need you, the Spirit of God, to be my guide and my king. And so I dethrone myself as the ruler of my life as, as I take this communion. And perhaps it's, uh, God, I have been... Uh, I have been in this earthly wisdom as king of my heart I have been unable to fathom uh, how beautiful your love is that I cannot understand the depths of your love because I'm trying to figure it out without your spirit. I'm trying to figure it out by my own power and I repent of again making myself king. And trying to understand in ways that I understand, <laughs> as communion's just being finished, handed out. Perhaps this is a good time just to th- sit and uh, and think about do business with God. Have a conversation with Him. See what He would want to say to you. First Corinthians 11 says this for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me this is Christ's body take and eat same way after supper he took the cup saying this is my cup this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes take and drink when we stand i'd like to pray for us as we transition Father we uh, come before you as a repentant people, we come before you as people who are longing to uh, be in your presence, we come before you as people who are longing to walk with you and dwell in your spirit and so uh, God we are repentant of the kingship of our own lives and we say that we don't wanna have earthly wisdom, we wanna have spirit-filled wisdom. We wanna have wisdom from you. We wanna operate in, uh, in the kingdom of God that is at hand already. And God, I just repent from living so often in the kingdoms of this world, namely myself. And God, we're just so grateful and blown away that you would so long to invite us to submit to you and follow you because you are love you are all the tensions balanced. You are all the words that don't line up. You are all the beautiful things we want simultaneously but can't muster up ourselves. You are everything and you long to give it all to us. Everything is ours in submission to you. And God, we know that there's sacrifice. We know that there are things that we give up, namely just our own our own kingship our own lives. But God, we trust you. We trust that you are love. And no matter where you lead us, be it into hardship, be it into calamity, be it into joy, be it into whatever, we trust you to be the king of our lives. And as we trust you in this way, would you help us to balance these tensions? Or miraculously, would you just help us to love in the way that you loved? And we can't love in the way you loved without you. Would you draw close to us now? as we worship you in response. Amen.